0: Uh, Good morning, we thank you for joining with us today for our worship service and we pray it would be blessed to each of us watching at home. There's an intimation to be made and it is the following. The Kirk Session has called for a congregational meeting to take place by Zoom on Monday the 29th of March at 7.30pm. The purpose of the meeting is to examine and approve a sustenation schedule relating to the renewal of the post of Assistant Minister in the congregation. This is required whenever an assistant retires or accepts a call to another congregation. The schedule will accompany a petition to the General Assembly requesting the renewal of the post. It is important that there be sufficient attendance at the meeting to make approval of the schedule realistic. So, your cooperation in this will be much appreciated. If you already join the Wednesday evening Zoom meetings, Zoom login details will be emailed to you. Otherwise, please contact Marianne for this. Thank you for that. We'll commence our worship by singing to God and sing psalms psalm 27 sing psalms psalm 27 from the beginning that's on page 31 we'll sing verses 1 down to the end of verse 4 the lord's my savior and my light who will make me dismayed the lord's a stronghold of my life Why should I be afraid? When evildoers threaten me to take out my life away, my adversaries and my foes will stumble in that day. Although an army hems me in, my heart will feel no dread. The war against me should arise, I will lift up my head. One thing I'll plead before the Lord, and this I'll seek always. That I may come within God's house and dwell there all my days, that on the beauty of the Lord I constantly may gaze and in his house may seek to know direction in his ways. We'll sing these verses the Lord's my
1: Savior.
0: heaven, we thank you for this day that you have given to us and this opportunity to come before your word. We thank you for your word and how it teaches us and how it reveals to us who we really are. That it shows us our sinful nature. It so shows us how dishonest we are in our hearts. But not only does it show us who we are. Thankfully, it shows us who God is, and who Jesus Christ is, and who they continue to be. And that the offer of salvation that is given for us through Jesus Christ, that we would see ourselves as sinful people as we listen to your word, that we would know that we need a saviour. we would see that the sin within us is too heavy for us that we need someone to take it from us we pray that you would keep us from these sinful desires and our sinful nature that you would keep us from the power of the devil even for this time that you would limit his power over us and you would reveal to us through your word who you are, that we would more clearly and more definely understand you, that we would see with our eyes the beauty of the Lord that is set before us on the pages of scripture and that the devil will have no claim over us, either in this life or the one to come that we are conquerors through the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us. May we see and understand this. May we see and understand this with importance over any other possession that we have. Or any other thing that we can understand. That we understand this as vitally important to our souls. And a concern that is showed for our souls. May we have a concern for our souls. And ask ourselves. What will be of my soul. When I die. And where will I go when I die. Or these deep searching questions. That we often ask ourselves. Now often life throws these deep questions to us, and these hard questions that we cannot answer at times. Even the Christian is faced with questions that he cannot answer. Though trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's things that we just don't understand. Why you work things as you do, and why things happen to us, to other people that seem to our understanding, unfair or hard. We pray that you would give us understanding to trust in you uh, through these questions that we have, that we would uh, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would lean not on our own understanding, that even in this time, we question why it is happening. And why we are having to use this technology in such a way that as we are so grateful for, but we desire that we would be back in church as we once knew. Maybe we need to be taught a lesson. Maybe we need to be taught uh, to value what we have. We pray that you would be with us during this time. Protect us as an island, protect us as a nation. We thank you for the vaccines that have been administered. We pray that it would be effective in reducing the spread of the virus. We thank you for the reduction in COVID numbers and cases and that restrictions have been eased for us. We pray that this would continue so that we would be able to live our lives as what we knew. And that we will be able to see the people that we desire to see. And we just thank you that we have been able to continue to have services online. That's through this difficult time you have not left us and that You have continued to provide for us food for our souls and nourishment for our bodies through your word. Just pray that you would be with those who are mourning. Pray with those who are experiencing great loss and cannot know comfort from the people around them as they would like. But that they would know the comfort of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wrapping his arms around them. We just pray that they would know and feel your presence with them. That you would give them peace in their hearts And sleep for their bodies. And we pray that you'll be with those who are uh, awaiting medical treatment. Or have just recovered from medical treatment. We pray that you would be with them. And strengthen them again. We just thank you for all that you have done for us in our lives, the food on our tables and the shelter over us. I pray that we would acknowledge that these things are from your hand, and that how fragile life is, how strange life seems at times to us. We ask questions on how we are so fragile and how material things can outlive or outlast a person. And it is so strange to us to think that even the chairs that we sit on have the potential to last longer than our own lives and our lives are not worth much more than the chairs that we sit on. So we pray. That they would open our eyes to see, in a sense, the value that Christ seen within us. That Christ seen the value worth dying for, so that we may be with Him. That He went to pay the price for us, He redeemed us because we are of worth to Him. We are loved by him. He loves us in a way that we cannot fathom in this world. But we know it is the greatest love that we can experience in this world. And so let us hold fast to that. Let us see that, open our eyes to see the beauty and glory of the Lord that loves us. And looks after us and that he would be the shepherd to us. Let us trust in him as our shepherd. Let him be with us during this time, and let the Spirit guide our thoughts and our understanding. Open our eyes, we pray, and forgive us our sins. All this we ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, boys and girls, I've got a wee story for you today. and. Um, In my sermon today, I'm going to talk about David and Goliath. And it got me thinking, well, who's the tallest person ever to live? Who's the the tallest person ever recorded? And it turns out he was actually a bit smaller than Goliath. But the man that... uh, We are told is recorded as the tallest man ever to live is this man here. I hope you can see this and I hope I'm holding this in the right place. Kind of somewhere there and you can see this man, he's he's a giant. That's Robert Wadlow. He is eight feet 11 inches high. So that's a picture on beside two ladies and there's a card in the background. You can see the roof of it there. That just shows how big he is. So that is the biggest man ever to have been recorded as the tallest man. And if you remember in your Bible stories that Samuel went and anointed a king. His name was Saul. That's in 1 Samuel chapter 10, if you want to look at it. And it says that Saul was taller than anyone else. He was well thought of and he was admired by the people that wanted him as their king. But Saul, he didn't obey God. He stopped trusting in God. And God told Samuel that he had to go and anoint a new king from the sons of Jesse in Bethlehem. And when Saul came to the sons in Bethlehem, uh, the eldest one stood there, Eliab. And Samuel thought he must be the new king because he takes all the boxes looking at him. But God said to Samuel something important. God said, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And we actually see in the passage of David and Goliath, that Eliab wasn't very nice to David. It doesn't seem like he had a good heart. But David, I don't think he was very tall. I don't think we're actually told how tall he was. But we know that his brother was taller than him. But that didn't matter because God looks on the heart it's very important to remember what God says when he tells us what he thinks is important when he says the lord does not ma, the lord sees not as man sees the lord looks on the heart We can be, we can be as tall as Saul. We can be as tall as Robert Wadlow. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we look like. It doesn't matter what other people think when they see me. But it matters what other people see when they speak to us. And it matters above all what God sees in us. That we are people that love God and take care of each other. And we are kind and helpful to one another and that we love his son, Jesus Christ. And that we trust in him with our lives, that he will go with us. And that we will have a heart love Jesus and because we have a heart that loves Jesus people will see Jesus in us and so will God Jesus wasn't a giant but you know what his love was huge his love was immeasurable you couldn't measure Jesus' love. I got a measuring tape for my Christmas. And it says, it says number one daddy love from Katie Bell and Lily May. But it says at the bottom, no one else measures up. I'm quite tall. Maybe taller than some other people, but do you know what? When I've seen this, I thought, Jesus, well, God is our Father, the Lord is our Father, and no one else measures up to Jesus Christ. No one else can compare to Jesus Christ. So maybe when we see a measuring tape, it'll remind us that. We cannot measure Jesus's love for us and that we cannot compare Jesus to anyone else and that Jesus is tall, stands higher and taller than anybody is because no one else will measure up to him and what he has done for us so let us say the lord's prayer together our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, if we could just turn to the Bible together in the book of First Samuel. The book of 1st Samuel chapter 17. And we'll read from the beginning. 1 Samuel 17. We we'll read down to verse Mark 36. That's the account of David and Goliath. Let us hear God's word. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at such which, means, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soch and Asichah, the F stanon And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And there came out of the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze in his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, And the weight of his coat was five thousand shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armour on his legs, and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron and his shield-bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now David was the son of an Ephraite of Bethlehem in Judah, named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle, and the names of his three sons who went to battle were Eliab the firstborn, and next to him, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For forty days the Philistine came forward and took his stand, morning and evening. And Jesse said to David his son, Take for your brothers an Ephah, Of this parched grain, and these ten loaves, and carry them quickly to the camp to your brother. Also, take these ten cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well, and bring some token from them. Now, Saul and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper, and took the provisions and went, as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment of the host he was going, as the host was going out to battle to the battle line, shouting their war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage, and ran to the ranks, and went and greeted his brother. As he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines, and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and were much afraid. And the men of Israel said have you seen this man who has come up surely he has come up to defy Israel and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel and David said to the men who stood by him what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For the one for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, So it shall be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab his eldest brother heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David, and he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left the the few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the bat. And David said, What have I done now? Was it not but a word? And he turned away from him toward another and spoke in the same way, And the people answered him again as before. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth." And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by a spear and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears And this uncircumcised philistine shall be like one of them for he has defied the armies of the living god may the reading of god's word be blessed to us who does not know the story of david and goliath even if you haven't read of it you'll have heard of it maybe we can recall this being told to us from our childhood maybe this was our favourite Bible story of all. Maybe it still is. And when I was reading through the book of Samuel, something struck me as I read the passage. That though David came as an unprepared soldier, and he slew Goliath with only his sling in his hand, I noticed that he actually had a responsibility placed on him from the charge that was made by the giant of Kath. And that is as we read in verse 9. This is our text. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him, then you shall be your servants and serve us. This verse, I would like to hang our thoughts on this morning, looking at and comparing weights that are worn and weights that are borne by the men we meet in this valley, Elah. So let's begin with weights worn. Here are two great nations. The strengths of nations set before one another, ready for battle, prepared to fight and conquer the other, mighty in their multitudes. But so solely is the presence of Goliath mighty, standing at least nine feet tall, laden with armory designed to defy the opposition, he sets before them the challenge as we have read in verse 9. And so he continues day after day. Who who can fight this man? Who will go and fight this champion? The way he is portrayed in verses 4 to 7. You would be forgiven for fearing as they did. His features are picked out. he war uh, and the might that seemed to be with him as a champion. It paints a fearful imagery to us. Something that you would read of in a children's novel such that would rival the description of the great Gruffalo can we look closer at this champion of Gath and the weight that was worn by him? The weight is undeniably a great weight, but what strength is in these weights to defy, as he claims? What Goliath wears, well, it's worn with pride, he's proud to wear this bronze that no other man could bear the weight of. He's proud to put himself before this light as a Philistine champion and confidently make such a claim as he does in verse 10. I defy the ranks of Israel this day. That's a claim. That's a big claim. Can he even make that claim? To defy the army of God's chosen people. David comes along and he thinks no. David says this before this in verse 26 Who is he to make such a claim? And he reminds Goliath of his words in verse 45 as he approaches for battle I come in the name of the Lord whom you have defied. David would not allow God's honour to be disgraced. But you know what? Goliath could only make that claim in unbelief. Goliath didn't believe in the power of God. Didn't believe that God can work things out even when we think there's no escape. God turns things on his head, turns things on their heads at the last moment. And God doesn't always work straight away. And we will see later the good reasons why Israel had to endure for, for, for 40 days. And it's worth remembering that. Goliath, even though considered a champion, was only a champion to the Philistines. And it draws our attention for a moment uh, to the perception we make of things and people. Descriptions and titles that we put on people. tiles that we create that make great influences on our mind. He is a champion, this Goliath. He is a mighty warrior sealed with bronze. You begin to fear him, and you haven't even met this now. We clothe people with these weighty expressions, sometimes for good and sometimes for bad. But it seems that we barely create that presence when it comes to God. We speak of the Lord, yet we barely fear him. Not that God is to be solely feared like Goliath, in the same sense. But you know, maybe we need to be. Our nation defies God. Our nation makes claims over his existence, simply because we don't believe in him. We don't believe in the mighty God of Isaiah chapter 5. People don't believe that he is mighty to save, as in Isaiah 63. They don't believe he is a lion of the tribe of Judah, Revelation 5. They don't believe he is the first and the last, Revelation chapter 1. All these words and the many more contained in scripture are trodden upon by many in our nation and they defy God in their own hearts, sadly. And in the end, God will deny you life. You see, David would not have Goliath make the claim that he defies God. David said this before Israel passionately. Who is he to make that claim? And it, in a sense, he justifies his fighting with it. you know why? Because he knows the Lord and he has a love for the Lord. That's why he trusts the Lord of hosts to go with him. The Philistines as a people weren't strangers to God's defined power. The funny thing is the Philistines didn't learn. God is going to make his point again as he has previously. God is almighty. Goliath was here, everything to them in this account. The philistines are placing all their hope in goliath but what happens before the unassuming strength of god he falls it's almost as if god uses his little finger and pushes him over god seems to do it so easily through david this philistine champion or this person of the Philistines considered a champion. Well, he fell flat on his face. Before the unassuming strength of God, he falls. And you know what? Something similar happens back in First Samuel chapter 5. with the Philistine God, Dagon, he was half man, half fish. Of whom the nation would have placed all their hope upon. They went to war and the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant. And they brought the Ark of the Covenant back to the Temple of Dagon and they placed it before Dagon. And when they woke up the next morning, Dagon was flat on his face. So they put Dagon back up again. And when they woke up the next morning again, Dagon was flat on his face. But this time, time his hands and his head came apart from his body, or broke from his body. It seems like the same things happened here again. The might of the Lord defies Dagon. The might of the Lord defies Goliath might of the Lord defies death and the might of the Lord will defy the devil. And you know that I can't help think of our nation. Scotland is not strange to the mighty power of God working in generations past. But the majority of us just don't want to know. They don't care. They fear God as much as they would the Gruffalo. Sadly Many don't believe and openly defy God with their words. I don't know what your hope is in today. But living as someone who claims to defy God, don't don't be surprised if the Lord makes that hope fall flat on its face one day. for ultimately without christ all hope will die pray i pray that you will have your eyes open to see the fear of the mighty almighty power of god who will not be defied. and the philistines in an account ran The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1, verse 7. But you know what in our lives? We can be weighed by much. We can be weighed down by a lot of things. Things that we gladly wear at times and show people. But in the end, what do us no good, like Goliath that wore all his bronze armoury? That no one else had armour like bronze? And maybe no one else has a house or a car like us? These things do actually weigh us down, although they create some sort of a pride within us to show. It. We are weighed by much whether good, bad, sad or hard. And often these weights can actually be too much for us. And we say, I cannot endure this weight upon me. And I feel this is where it is worth considering the nation of Israel in our story. When we feel we can't bear a weight on us, see the nation of Israel every day they try and go to battle maybe they're hoping that well Goliath, maybe Goliath will stay in bed or he won't come out hoping Goliath would just give up and let the battle commence or a man from the Israelite army would challenge him For 40 days this continues. This is a weight on Israel. This is a weight on Saul. But there's no way out here. This is an increasing daily weight and the pressure seems to be building. But why 40 days? Well, 40 seems to be in the Bible a period of trial or a period of testing. Usually with a subsequent significant event 40 days and 40 nights did it rain in the times of Noah 40 years Moses spent in the wilderness Jesus was tested for 40 days in the desert and in this case I believe God is testing and preparing with the 40 days God is testing and repairing with this weight that is increasing upon them. And I believe God is humbling them daily. And each, with each attempt, they're realizing that they can't conquer this giant of Gath. They cannot beat Goliath, taking them to the point where any hope they have of fighting Goliath or any man stepping forward are gone. Their hope has slowly been running out day by day and there is no hope within the nation of Israel to conquer the enemy. And I believe preparing them for the entrance of David because you know what, as a nation they had to accept him. The charge is read by a Goliath in verse 9. If he is able to fight with me and kill me then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him then you shall be our servants and slaves. David had to be accepted by the people. Someone had to go for them and i don't believe they would have sent David if they had hope in anyone else. Why on earth would they send this young shepherd boy? He was only a shepherd boy, but he was willing to go whether they believed in him or not. He was their only hope. You know, we can wear weights. And we can endure them over periods but you know what's far better if someone else bears them for us someone else takes these weights away from us and lifts them themselves uh, so let us look at our next title the weight born and the weight that was born in David. So David comes into our scene, sent by his father with sustenance for his family. He wasn't sent to do battle or to fight, but to show a fatherly concern for his three brothers that had gone with Saul. On arrival, we read that he leaves the supply with the keeper of the baggage and races to his brothers at the battle line. And here we have a short sentence. I believe for greater emphasis at the end of verse 23. It goes, he had spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. This is saying that David did indeed hear the charge of Goliath of verse 9. But if I prevail against him, then you shall be our servants and servants, and also him claiming to defy the ranks of Israel. David, seemingly light in stature, a renowned player of the lyre in Israel, meek in character, a loyal shepherd to his flock of sheep doesn't give us an impression of a champion fighter, neither a king, as it turns out by the previous chapter. But we are enlightened with the description of his nature given by Saul's servant in chapter 16 at verse 18. We would be inclined to think initially that he was delicate in nature had it not been for his words where he says he is a man of valor and war. A man, though associated with the, David, was a man associated with the gentler aspects of life, but confidently courageous to stand against evil and to stand for what is right, without making a show of it, without putting on great flashy armor. So actually tries to withhold good intention, given his armour to help David. This happens later in the passage, we didn't read it, but, you know, Saul's armour wasn't suited for him physically, and nor was it spiritually. David would not have the world's protection Are these worldly weights put on him. The battle was in the Lord's name. The battle was in the Lord's of hosts. God was to receive all the glory. The glory was to be all his. He didn't let himself be mixed and muddled with these worldly weights that would drag him down. It's an interesting point that the Christian has to be so careful to refuse these worldly weights even when we think it may help us. But we are to be especially cautious when the world is freely placing them before us. The Christian's trust is in the name of the Lord, that and that only. For here is the weight that David bore, the soul of every man in Israel. He was responsible for either the salvation or submission of a nation before the uncircumcised. And I feel we miss this point when we read David and Goliath. Not only did he put his life on the line in hugely unfavourable odds, not only did he place his trust in God and declared it confidently, he bore the weight of a nation. The weight of every man from the simplest to the stateliest, from his father that loved him to his brother that reviled him. You see, Eliab, his brother, spoke harsh words to him, declaring his carelessness of leaving the sheep and the evil in his heart to see the battle. And King Saul even spoke the words, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are but a youth in verse 33. You know, you know effectively the whole nation of Israel is saying walk away. But thank God for men who are inclined to trust in the voice of his Lord rather than the voice of men, even if they be of his own family. That takes strength. And I can't help but feel that the whole of Israel had given up on him. And in sending forth David, they were in a sense forfeiting to Goliath. Because the bottom line is they didn't believe him. And thought maybe, thought themselves of Philistine slaves already. But for the slim chance that maybe the sweet shepherd boy can work miracles. All this discouragement in the passage. All this, in a sense, is adding more weight. We know what it feels like when we are given no encouragement. Worse, even when we are openly discouraged and worse still, when it is our own family that initializes it. But David bears it. David willingly bears it, regardless of being mocked or encouraged regardless of being slated or praised. He fights willingly and faithfully for the Lord and for the Lord's people and fights equally for the one that mocked him and the one that praised him, so long as they are the circumcised of Israel. And we know the outcome of this great battle. We didn't read it. But have you seen what's been told here in preparation? David was the one anointed king. As unlikely as he was considered, God made his choice clear to Samuel. King David, the Bethlehemite, was a foreshadow of the messianic king that was to come and deliver his people from bondage. David, even here, before being employed in the office of kingship, is resembling that King Jesus that delivers us from every enslavement. Jesus, the only Son of God, sent as David was to his family with food. Does he not give us all things? Was Jesus not sent to nourish his family? To nourish his people? Were his words not food for him? Are they still not? Are his words not life to your soul? But we only love him because he first loved us. That being, he loved us even when we spoke of him as Eliab and Saul. When I said in my heart that he couldn't help me, when I thought Jesus would do me no good, he still went to the cross for you. And this is the thing here, the whole point, I suppose, of our text. We as people, We as as real people, though life's weights may be worn over a period of 40, however long that is for us, be it hours, days or years, he will as a loving father sustain us through it. But you know what? The weight of sin, we can't bear that. That's why the father sent his son. We have this sinful nature that attracts us and lures us. It even traps us. And people are often trapped by it. That power is a Goliath within ourselves. And especially as Christians, we can try and fight them like us And often we fail because we think we can overcome them. We think we can silence a voice that threatens to defy us. Maybe that is our nation. Is that what our nation is saying? We think. Maybe is it even our church? Because we can do so many things in the Lord's name. As Israel went to battle, but sin still seems to reign. We're not humble enough to trust in God, to let him lead us. Seeking all strength from the lords of hosts as David did. Seeking him in prayer, in private prayer the strength of prayer. We will never conquer the power of sin without that strength. Sin is too strong for us. We cannot overcome the Goliath within us. We need a willing and faithful David to go on our behalf. But we have a greater than David in Jesus Christ. We have the anointed one to go for us, the anointed prophet to teach us the Spirit of God. We have the anointed king to conquer all our enemies. We have the anointed priest, Jesus, to intercede for us. There's no hope otherwise without someone bearing the weight of our sin and going on our behalf. His power is almighty, His power is omnipotent, His power is undefiable. The thing is, are we willing to have Him bear my weight of sin? Are we willing that He takes my weight? take it and we surrender it all to the one who is able to pay it. As Israel surrendered to David going forward, and through that, we will not be enslaved for all eternity. If he goes on our behalf, he fights on our behalf, and he defies the sin that lies within us the sins that he bore on the cross. He was a willing bearer of our sins, of mine and of yours. So we ask ourselves, will we have him go on our behalf? May our hope be in him alone, the one who stands firm and confidently in the name of the Lord. Pray you will. For you know the outcome of our story, the outcome of the passage, the outcome of the one who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in verse 25 that rewards that will declare freedom of his father's household, a freedom from sin forever. What could be better? May you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ to go on your behalf. Amen. May we conclude by singing in Psalm 89 at verse 15 in the Scottish Psalter. Psalm 89 at verse 15, Scottish Psalter. O greatly blessed the people are, the joyful sound that know, in brightness of thy face, O Lord, they ever on shall go. They in thy name shall all the day rejoice exceedingly, and in thy righteousness shall they exalted be on high. Because the glory of their strength does only stand in thee, and in thy favour shall it horn and power exalted be for god is our defense and he doth safety bring the holy one of israel is our almighty king we'll sing these words to god's praise
1: oh, greatly blessed are people, are, are Oh!
0: Now, Father, we thank you that you have sent your Son, Jesus, with a loving concern for our souls, even when we didn't want him in our lives, even when we made fun of him and took his name in vain, the Lord Jesus went on our behalf because he has a love that is immeasurable, a love that we cannot measure. I pray each one of us listening will see that King David who was so confidently went on behalf of the nation of Israel that we would trust in him for our lives. We pray this for each of us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We thank you for joining us for our service and please join again in the evening. Will the Reverend Kenny I. McLeod will lead us at 630.